And welcome to a transfer window special of the Portuguese football show. Been a long time away. The transfer window across Europe, across most of the major leagues, shuts tomorrow at midnight. Portugal is uh, is an extra day or two. But a lot of the news involving Portuguese players is coming from the Premier League in England, which obviously closes tomorrow. So we'll look to touch on some of the big stories that have came out today. Made a joke on Twitter before about how I imagine a lot of this news will be outdated by the time this podcast is released because it seems like as we approach the the deadline, the news is moving faster and things are changing. We'll actually start with a transfer that Record in Portugal have uh, stated is now back on after this morning. Uh, David Ornstein in England had, had said that the deal was was off because. Uh, things changed at the sort of final hour and the negotiations had, had stalled and the deal had completely broken down. But it looks like it's it's back on now and that's Pedro Porro moving to Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, record are claiming that the deal is completely done for €47.5 million Euros and 15% of Marcus Edwards' pass. It's a, an interesting deal because it's one that's been... Dragged out basically over the uh, over the window. It's a position that Tottenham have looked to strengthen in. Obviously, we know Pedro's quality. We know how good he is. Sporting had apparently asked for uh, sort of permission for him to still play in the cup and then move after. And then, as I say, it looked like the deal had completely broken down and that he was to remain. You have to deal with the the, the player side of it, the personality side of it. The player was apparently distraught when the deal wasn't going through, according to David Ornstein. So. It's that old conflict of, of keeping an, an unhappy player and trying to get the morale back up. And also knowing that there's a you know there's a financial offer on the table. So forty seven point five million euros and fifteen percent of Marcus Edwards. And it looks like Sporting are going to bring in Hector Bayerin, formerly of Arsenal, now a FC Barcelona, on a loan, I think it is, until at least until the end of the season, and then I'm sure the club and Hector will We'll see what's what come the end of the season. But Philippe, what's your take on first of all the, the Pedro Porro deal? Did you did you have a feeling this would, would happen in this win transfer window, or did you think it was more of a summer move? To be honest, it felt a bit more inevitable that this would happen since the beginning of the transfer window where the talk started happening and after especially after the comeback way saying that it in Spurs Emerson Royal was not really playing too well and they really needed someone on the right-hand side. And Paul being on his best season ever, it was quite... It was. I think it was just a matter of time. I think Sporting done well on keeping him to play the, the final against Sport. Um, but yeah, if, if a club comes in and pays £45 million for a player that was bought by eight, and to be fair, in the summer, he could have gone to City for... It was 20-something because obviously City had a big part to buy him back. So I, I think it ended up being a good deal. The part of Mac, Marcus Edward, to be honest with you, I need to read a bit more because I don't understand because it feels like they're paying 2.5 million for 15% of Marcus Edwards. which doesn't make much sense. I don't really know why that's money in there. But I guess eventually when everything comes out, we'll, we'll know a bit more. 
um, in terms of Bellerin coming. I, I don't really know if he's needed. Of course, he's quite low wages because even an interview no longer go away, know how much he's on. So he's not going to have a massive impact and he's only six months and he might stay or might go. But since I, I used to like him a lot at Arsenal, then obviously I think he had a couple of, of ACLs where in a period of 18 months, they really bring a, a quite big setback. This year, I think he only played seven games for Barcelona. Of course, he has come there up front, so it's, it makes it quite tricky for him to play. But at Sporting, yeah, I guess it can be good because you don't really know how well, how fit he will be. To be honest with you, if I was in in Sporting's position, I would probably not bring him in and just try to go with, with Stivs because he's a player that I really like. And I think Sporting will be better off just to reset and prepare for next season, kind of what Amorim did in 2020 when he first arrived at Sporting, where he brought Nuno Mendes to the first team, Tiago Tomás to the first team, Joelson to the first team, mm-hmm. at the time Eduardo Quaresma to the first team. I think, to be honest with you, looking at the difference of points, they're not going to be able to make Champions League, I don't think, because Braga is really pushing to win the league, to be fair, so I don't think they'll be finishing fourth. Um, so I don't think I would bring a play like him. I would just give a chance to, to Stevich because, to be honest, I think he'll be the future on that side. Yeah, I mean, it's the comparison between an 18-year-old that's got sort of his, his whole future ahead of him and then... A 27-year-old in in Bayern, who you know, as as we as we saw when he played for Arsenal, can be you know a good asset, and he's pacey and he's quick, and he does like to get forward, and especially playing sort of as a wing back. But as you say, it looks to be happening, but it probably would have made a bit more sense if they were to do what you said about uh, Amorim in that the end of that first season, where it was just a chance to basically not not surrender the league position but just try and pick up as many points as possible whilst also trying to bed in players to make sure that the the following season they're in better shape and those players get their the, the first you know real test of, of senior minutes so I agree with you on that definitely there's obviously the the big the big story the big on everyone's lips is Enzo Fernandez who obviously has only been in Benfica since the start of the season it's actually incredible to think that if River Plate would have went all the way in the Copa Libertadores. He wouldn't have been arriving to Benfica until uh, after the World Cup, I think. So, you know, there's a chance that the way, you know, the way things move, it's very strange because if he stays at River Plate, there's there's a very feasible chance that he doesn't go to the World Cup. And, you know, and then he arrives at Benfica sort of in the aftermath and then plays his first bits of football and then whatever happens in the summer happens in the summer. But the fact that he came and got down to work, basically got down to business immediately uh, and has continued to impress, you know, week in, week out. He's called up to the Argentina side, ended up winning the World Cup, and it's almost like he's been thrown into the, you know, a completely different stratosphere. He is is a player that, I mean, it's a lot of money. I'm pretty sure that everyone listening will be, fully aware of the details of the deal because it's been so widely publicised and that Chelsea were trying to get him for less than the release clause and Cui Costa was adamant, release clause or nothing, release clause or nothing. And then obviously you had Enzo Fernandez tapping the badge and you know giving the signal as if to say, I'm here, I'm staying here at least until the summer. And it's it's now all seemingly changed again and, and Enzo is is going to going to leave. And I think just in terms of the bigger picture, but w- what it means for Benfica, because 
weird a lot at the start of the season from Rui Costa about this is not a financial project, this is a sporting project, this is um this is a financially stable club. Uh, in its one of its most healthy healthiest positions, knowing that in the summer they'd be able to either sell Enzo Fernandez or Gonzalo Ramos, you know it was only recently they sold Darwin Nunez, so they're in a position where they can afford to to keep the players on a little bit longer. They're doing really well, obviously in the Premier League at the, they're at the top, um, they top the Champions League group above Paris Saint Germain and Juventus. They've basically in terms of. This sporting project, the the firing on all cylinders, um, but it looks to be that one of the biggest pieces of their success this season is 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 going to be is going to be leaving. First of all, how does this forget the sort of financial side of it? How does this affect Benfica going into the what we can basically say the second half of the season, both domestically and in the Champions League? Massively, just because they have. A player in Enzo that can do something that no other player can do. Not even Austin's. They will be probably the one that will fit in and play next to 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 Florentine. For the simple reason that is probably the the switching play is for me where Enzo does his best job because he can switch it from one side of the pitch to the other in a very very easily matter, which is not common for for a play like that. And then I understand what you say about obviously Ricard saying there was a. a they don't really need the money and he's, uh, they're trying to push to eventually trying to get the Champions League. But if the player wants to go and they're paying so much money, it's quite it's it's impossible to keep it's him. difficult, isn't it? Because you're going to keep him in and what's he going to do? His performance is going to drop. You saw a massive difference when the game against Braga, it was a completely different than Fernandes because in his head, I think he was already thinking about moving away and, and going to Chelsea. So I don't think there was really anything else that... Uh, Benfica could have done is is a lot of money. Is good for the club. Will be good for the player. They, will, in terms of quality of the game, will drop a bit. But looking of who they have in the Champions League, to be fair, we can see that they're going through to the to the last eight. They're much better than Club Rouge in the league. I don't think will be a massive difference. Of course, the quality is is miles off because it's a hundred twenty million player. So of <laughs> course, there's a difference quality. But I think they'll still be able to 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 win games. Um. And they have to be looking at the next so next Enzo. That's that's the the key. Benfica's been doing this for years. Porto was doing that in the early two thousands with uh, with Falcão, Jackson Martinez, those players coming from 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 South America. And Benfica's doing has been doing this since Di Maria times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So they're just gonna keep doing the same thing. They have a very strong network of scouts in their part of the world, and I'm I'm don't have doubt that it'll bring someone else to in the summer to to take that place. Obviously not as good as Enzo because he's a one-off, but it, I don't think they could have done anything different. Yeah, I think, to be honest, I think they've handled the situation as best as they could because they've looked, they've, or at least they've at least tried to, tried to demonstrate and come good on what Ruby Costa said at the start of the season and tried to at least not just give up straight away and completely resign to the fact that he was going to leave. Um, but then, as you say, player power is a, a massive thing, and it's a you know it's a huge move for him financially in terms of his, his wages. Um, for Benfica, it's a, whilst they're not going to get the money sort of all in one go, which is what they they wanted. Um, I think they end up getting a little bit more than the release clause. I think it's around one hundred and thirty million euros. 
Duncan Castles from the Times um, said that they paid a little bit more to compensate Benfica for payments uh, via instalments. And obviously Chelsea at the minute are, well, just they're not breaking sort of rules. They're they're making the rules. Um, They're stretching out these payments over the next gazillion years to get round financial fair play, which... I mean, look, if, if if the rules are there and they're there to be yeah. broken, then... It's you know, going it, to be it, another eight-year it, contract. Look, to be honest, if it was my club, I'd, I'd want them to be spending um, <laughs> at that level. Uh, but yeah, so so that looks like it's it, it's going to, going to happen. And then we've got a player that we both, that we both love, who is reportedly also moving to the Premier League, to Southampton, which... Possibly, possibly a bit of a surprise, but look, a release clause is a release clause, and if yeah. a club pays it, then you know it, it sort of is what it is. I actually th- this morning, this is how quick things changed. I got an email from a journalist at Lekeep asking for a comment about Vitinha uh, ahead of his imminent departure to Marseille. Yeah. A couple of hours later, he's now to Southampton. It's it's a big move for him in terms of the, you know, the Premier League club, and it's a chance for him to, to hopefully continue what he's been doing at Braga. And it's a player who has got all the tools to go on and become, you know, whatever he wants to be. Basically, in terms of uh, an all-round number nine, and you know, he's put up some great numbers this season in terms of his, of his minutes per goal, especially and across all competitions. He seems quite. Uh, he's got a quite a feisty character. I think he comes across as quite passionate, which I like. Um, you know, he works hard, and uh, you know Southampton at the minute they're in a they're in a very very difficult position. The bottom of the league, with a joint bottom with Everton on fifteen points, but because it's so tight at the bottom of the Premier League, not, you know, no one's done. Southampton are on fifteen points, and then. You know, you look up Leicester at 14th on 18. You know, so it's, there's, there's barely anything in it. Basically, three points separates the bo- bottom of the table to 14th. Um, if Southampton are going to stand a chance of staying up, they'll need firepower. They'll need youthful exuberance. They'll need a bit of enthusiasm. Uh, and they might get that in, in Vitinha if the deal goes ahead. Um, the reports are that they've told, told Braga that they are willing to pay the release clause, but the news hasn't came out that they've actually triggered it yet. So I think it's it's more now down to personal terms and stuff with the player and and making sure that everything goes swimmingly on that side. But if he does leave the Premier League, Philippe, how much of a shame is it, first of all, to see him go? Well, because for Braga, a big problem. Even though I think with their money, they can go and buy for Navarre. Either for the four millions that reportedly should be sent now once, or for the eight that at beginning of the week they wanted. Um, but to be honest, first I'm not 100 percent sure if Vitinha will want to go to Southampton because he's quite attached with Braga, and Braga is actually, obviously, with the new signings, they're actually going to push for the league. So I think will be a big question for him if he wants to go or he wants to stay until until the summer. But if he ends up going to Southampton. To be honest, and it's quite a bit of a weird take, but I think it's the perfect move for him because most of the teams against Southampton play quite open. They're not going to know him because teams in England, they just focus in English players and what's happening in Premier League. So they're not going to know him. They're going to leave so much space. He's so strong physically. The defenders, centre-backs in the Premier League are going to have a hard time. 
and with space to go ahead, he'll be he'll be killing it. Um, if he goes for fantasy football out there, that will be a perfect because <laughs> it'll be quite cheap <laughs> as well. So, to be honest, I think if if I if I'm Vitinha, and of course there's the feeling about to Braga. So if the heart says to him to stay, he might stay. But if if he stop puts down the side and he goes, I think a deal for because even if Southampton goes down, I'm a hundred percent sure he will impress. And he'll get another move to another club in the Premier League because I think is the league that suits him the most. Yeah, in terms more than more I... than Marcel France, I would have even though Marcel is much better team than Southampton, my feeling would be completely different because I think teams in France are smarter, players are smarter. They will drop down and say, "I'm going to give him two, three meters to have a touch and come at me." Because if he comes at me, it's one v one or dribbling is not. His strongest aspect is running with the ball, which is where he's quite strong and holding yeah. off defenders. So I think similar to when to when Lukaku went from Chelsea to West Brom, because I think yeah. teams at that level were not going to be able to manage him. Yeah, and especially especially teams that set up that will set up against Southampton. It's a completely different proposition if you're talking about someone like Darwin Nunez yep. going to a side like Liverpool, where teams sit deep uh, and defend deep. And then you think, well, straight away that neutralises his best aspects, which is strength, physicality, running in behind, timing those runs. So it's sort of similar in that regard. Yeah, Braga are second in the league after 17 games played. They're on 40 points, seven points behind Benfica, but obviously uh, have an extra game to play. There's still, you know, there's still a possibility that they that they can go for the the uh, go for the title. They've only conceded 13 goals all season, which is you know, remarkable defensive record. And um the scoring less than, than both Benfica and Porto, that's the big concern is that they're already sort of starting to fall behind in terms of how many they're scoring. Losing Vitinha's will be a big blow if it happens. But as you say, player player preference is a big thing as well and, and you know Braga could say, you know, we'll take this money and be able to reinvest it and it's a lot of money for a club like Braga, but at the same time if he wants to stay and see out the season, he might be thinking, you know what, carry on doing what I'm doing here. If I can, you know, we can try and make something special happen for Braga, at least qualify for the Champions League. Moves are going to be available in the summer anyway. Um, you know, obviously touch wood that he doesn't, you know, continue playing and get injured or something. But if he stays fully fit and stays contributing when he's coming in, whether that be coming off the bench or, you know, starting games, as long as he sort of keeps up this consistency, then, you know, I think there'll be better moves than Southampton that come in for them. But also, I think you're right in terms of it being a, a fit because he he's probably, it's better for him to go to a club with that have got lesser expectations and that will be afforded sort of more space in attacking areas rather than signing for a big giant. As you say, the, uh, the, the Premier League defenders, they will not have a clue about them yeah. unless they follow... Prossima Jonada on Twitter, and they, they, may, they may have some sort of inkling. Braga's incomings yeah. are very, well, to be honest, both of them are quite controversial. I saw split opinions. Um, yeah, on both. Bruma, I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, I think I, you, you put a tweet out saying it could either be the best thing for Arthur George's side or it could but be no a yeah, complete disaster. This is a player who uh, was touted to be whatever whatever he wanted to be basically the world at his feet um you know things haven't quite worked out for him yeah so you know since leaving sporting his galatasaray 
Gaziantasport, Real Sociedad, RB Leipzig, PSV, Olympiacos, Fenerbahce. Uh, then signed permanently uh, from PSV to Fenerbahce, and now he's now on loan at Braga. So it's um, it's been a bit of a mixed career so far. Not a lot of consistency. He's had moments. I think at PSV, um, he put in some some consistent performances, and that's where he was performing at a, at a high level. And then uh, he's then moved and um, sort of struggled to regain that. But as you say, Braga could be the uh, the perfect breeding ground for him to be able to to work his magic. But it could also it could also go the other way. Um, and I don't know. It, it looks like one of those deals you can look back and think. He came in and played a really vital part, or he doesn't get a lot of minutes at all for whatever reason, and he ends up leaving. And you think he left after playing like four games. <laughs> like it just there's something about that. Like I can just see it on his Wikipedia page next season. Like SC Braga, seven appearances, one goal. Yeah. <laughs> like, like it just it, it, it and to be honest, it, it fit in with with him with his career so far. But yeah, what what's it? What's your take on it? What is is a question? What do you think the conditions are for it to go well? Like how how do you see it going well if it does? It's it's quite hard because I really like him as a player. Ten years ago, when he started playing for sport, the the worst sporting team ever, um, which is Walt Ferreira around this time when he came from Sporting B, um, and he has a very strong s- six months. He was coming from the left-hand side, inside. And then you think, that's his best spot. But Braga, they have Horta there. So, of course, he's not going to replace Ricardo Horta. I think he's assigning to add quality. And in games where a game against that they lost or drew a few months ago, just before the World Cup against Schaus at home, he will be the type of player to come in and, and break defenders down because he can do that, that 1v1 very strong. But then... In that aspect, and that's why I put the tweet out, if it comes in that mindset that I'm coming to play maybe half an hour in some matches where the other teams are really deep and I need to break them down, that's perfect. If he comes with the attitude of I'm coming from Fenerbahce to Braga, I'll come here to be a co-star from Ricardo Huerta's show, that will go badly because he's not going to he's not gonna play as much. I don't think he's a strong coming from the right-hand side, so I just see him playing on the left. And on the left, you have Orta. So it's really hard. Depends on a lot of his mindset because if, if he, that's why I said if he comes with the mindset of I'm a star, then we'll create more problem than actually help, which is the opposite of what I believe from Pizzi. I think Pizzi will come to give experience to see when, because Andre Castro cannot make the 90 minutes. He normally plays around an hour, 70 minutes in a very high level, especially this season. And then I see Pizzi coming in and, and to either... If the game needs to be calmed down, he can put calm on the game and play the pass. If he needs to break defenders down with with a, a through ball, he can do that as well. But I think he'll be able to come and understand that I'll come here for, to play the last half an hour and add quality to the team. With Bruma, I don't think I don't I don't honestly I don't think he's mature enough to understand that his game needs to have a bit of more than one dimension. That's why he's moving from club to club. Yeah, he's he's moving and he's he's. He's a proper confidence player, I think. Like he's when things are going well, and when he feels like he's on top of the world, and you get that with a lot of players who move from club to club. Because what they're doing is, if they have a couple of good games, they're chasing that, and then when things start, it's not going right. It's like they're thinking straight away is right, new club, fresh start, new manager, 
new team, let's go again. And then it doesn't work. And then you're moving and you're moving. And it's, it's, it's having that maturity to be able to look at why things aren't going right and think, right, okay, what have we got to do to rectify it rather than just we can't we can't stay here. Um, Record saying that uh, Fran Navarro to Braga for seven million. If Vitinha... is that this if 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 Vitinha decides to go, yeah. So denying it, uh, denying an ex Braga manager, the player the, the player he wants as well, Carlos Carvalho now at Celta Vigo is as you know to see the Portuguese web. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I watched them yesterday as well. They, um, I think it was the first he won his first home game in charge. Was, uh, Such a team, bless them. Still, uh, still bailing, sheltered yeah. out, which he's done <laughs> for the last couple of years. Um, yeah, the, a move that's probably generated the most controversy, I think, in terms of backlash from fans, is the uh, Pizzi move from Al Wanda to Braga. He played. He was at Braga for four years. He moved there after he started his career at Braganza, then moved to Braga, and then um, yeah, sort of had a series, a series of loans um, signed permanently for Atletico Madrid, and then he was back in Portugal with with Benfica, I think, in twenty thirteen. Thirty three years old, um, and you know that on paper you think as a player who's played at the you know the Portuguese national team, and he wasn't in Roger Schmidt's plans. He's moved away, he's ready to come back and he wants to sort of add something to a team that are competing at the top end of the table. And he's an ex-Braga, he's an ex-Braga man, you know, what could be better? But um, I should say a section of the Braga supporters because also there's, like with anything, there's um, positive and negative. Some of the fans have said that they're happy to welcome him back with open arms and hopefully he can contribute to what they're trying to do this season. But a lot of fans feel that he's not welcome at the club. Um, mainly, primarily, is what I've read into it is for his, his antics when playing against Braga through the years. Um, for Benfica, I saw one supporter liking it to, say, the situation of Rafa Silva in terms of maybe just showing a little bit more respect when he plays against his, his former club. And they felt that busy, you know, and whether it be with the celebrations or whether it be with you know, tackles and, uh, you know, showing a bit of fight on the pitch. So that's an interesting one. They, some supporters put out a banner, basically. I won't repeat uh, what it said, but basically saying that he's he's not welcome at the club. Um, and it will be interesting to see sort of what, what reception he gets. I'm sure that if he pulls on the shirt and he starts contributing goals and assists, you know, the tune can change quite quickly, especially if he's putting in performances in big games. Because uh, I think what Braga needed this moment in time is unity because they're fighting at the top end of the table. They're still in Europe. They're in the Conference League. They've got a match, uh, well, two matches against Fiorentina coming up on the 16th and the 23rd of Feb. Um, the whole match is first as well. Whether that's a priority for them or not, I'm not too sure. But yeah, an interesting one. What do you make of this move? Do you, do you, do you think he can uh, he can actually win round the supporters? Yeah, sure. I, I don't see why not. <laughs> to be honest, I, I think it'll be a really good signing. Obviously, physically, we don't really know because the last year has been uh, in um, in Saudi Arabia. Um, so it will really depend on uh, 
how competitive is it actually football. But I think in games, for like I said before, for both things to either to calm down a game, he can play as that eight next to Castro, next to Els Musrati, or he can play the same position in a game where they needed to to break lines with play through balls because in that in that position especially with a strong defense behind he, he, he feels free in that role so I, I'm, I'm really excited to see him play i think again like same thing as bruma in terms of braga's idea for this is to add quality to the team especially with with the conference league coming up to add quality add plays where they can take plays out bring plays in when the same standards and same quality will keep on. So I, I really think they're pushing and we'll see. We'll see. But I, I really like it. To be fair, about Braga fans not some of some part of the fans not really enjoying him coming back after scoring a couple of goals and he celebrates. <laughs> All and, is and forgotten. <laughs> yeah. So he's not gonna be the first one, he's not gonna be the last one where people yeah. don't really want him back and then he just starts playing well and everything's forgotten. So I don't know. I must put a disclaimer out on this, actually, that a, a lot of the things that we're talking about are obviously just speculation. Yeah. Um, we have no inside information. The we're one that looks actually set is the centre-back from Michelin that's playing at Mafra, 19 years old, to Sporting. It was kind of half-confirmed earlier today, oh, okay. which I'm quite excited about. I really liked him at, at Mafra. To be fair, before going to Mafra, I didn't really know him that well. Seven and a half million with my go to 12 million um, after adds on. It's quite an expensive player, but only 19. And everything I saw him from him is just so, so good. Quite tall, quite strong. Well, like quite very good at playing from the back. Um, I think, I think oh, even three, three years, yeah, two, yeah. two, three years from now will be a top center back. So quite excited for that one. So yeah, lots lots going on. Um, I've been refreshing throughout the podcast, and as of now, everything we've said is pretty much true. We'll we'll be back. A lot of this may change. We don't know, but as always, keep up to date on Prossima Jonada One on Twitter and on the website, and we'll be back with some actual Portuguese football show content, Premier League roundups, um, talking about the league as we uh, as we are at the halfway point teams to look out for, players to look out for. And also, it'll give us a better idea of what club has got what player now. Yeah. Um, so, because for now, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, obviously, we've still got tomorrow until midnight, so another 24 hours in England anyway. And yeah, if there's any more news, we'll we'll be sure to update you. So, the podcast will probably start coming out on a Tuesday morning. Yeah, and that's, that's all from me. Philippe, any last words? Just uh, yeah, just give a little comment on on the pod and see which transfers you were excited to see happen and which ones you got disappointed not to see happen. For sporting fans out there, I guess the name Fran Navarre if he goes to Braga will be one <laughs> hot topic <laughs> trending on Twitter. But yeah. but yeah, it's, it's it's always quite fun to to speak about transfers and if you stop and think about what we were talking about last year around this time of year when Slimani came to Sporting when. When actually Sporting Porto and Benfica really all pushing for for the league, and how different twelve months in football is actually is is quite astonishing, and how important a strong summer in terms of transfers can change can change so much. Yeah, a lot can change in football. Yeah, a lot can change. Never mind twelve months. 
Change in 12 minutes, especially when the transfer windows open. 